Today on episode 10, we're talking about growing premium potatoes with Humagrow products. Our guests include Mr. Lyndon Smith, President and CEO of Biohumanetics Inc., the maker of Humagrow, Fertile Gold Organics, Mesa Verde Humates, and several other product lines. Good afternoon, Lyndon. How you doing, Larry? We also have Mr. Michael Gardner, Senior Director of Turf and Northwest Sales for Biohumanetics Inc. Hi, Michael. Hello, Larry. In order to completely cover our approach to growing premium potatoes, we're going to walk through the typical growth cycle of potatoes and discuss the nutrients that are needed at each stage. When pertinent, we'll talk about differences that may exist in growing different types of potatoes. Because here at Humagrow, we've developed over 50 fertilizer and crop protection products to help you deal with all the major growth problems you might encounter. We're going to tell you about those nutrients that are absolutely essential for potatoes at each growth stage. We're also going to tell you about products that you might need because of common deficiencies or pests and products that you might want to add in order to achieve premium quality for your crop. That's very important. I just want to interject here, Larry, that quality is so important. And so many times in a low potato price year, we have our potato growers that tend to want to skip or want to skimp on their investment. And they just need to understand that you can never, ever lose by investing in your potato crop. You just won't lose. So we want to encourage everybody to always invest and get the very best quality that they can. I agree with that. There is no compensation for quality. It's everything, no matter what the price is. Price is low, you've got to have quality to sell your product. Price is high, you've got to have that quality to get the best out of your crop. That's what I love about potatoes. I love working with potatoes. I love building programs. We also have some great add-ons for existing programs. We sell Humagrow products all over the world, so we know that growing potatoes can be complicated. And talking about growing potatoes can be even more complicated because nutrient needs are going to vary quite a bit depending on your local situation. Your soil, your climate, your water, your water availability, the type of seed you planted, the crop that was in the field during the last season, whether you do till or no-till, the list goes on and on. Growing potatoes in Idaho is very different than growing potatoes in Arizona or Iowa or Ireland or any place else. So keep in mind that we're going to make general recommendations here and ask that you speak to your local Humagrow representative or extension agent to determine what the best solutions are going to be for your crop. Okay, gentlemen, let's lay the groundwork for making fertilizer decisions by talking about soil and tissue testing for potatoes. When do you want to do it and what do you want it to tell you? Lyndon, you want to start us off? Yeah, that'd be great. I I just can't say enough about a soil sample. Getting one at least once a year, and if you can, do one twice a year. But once in the fall of the year or in the spring of the year is critical. And so pick your time. Make sure it's the same time so that you're comparing the same time and the same scenario going on in the field so that you're being able to uh, evaluate and look at those numbers and compare them on accuracy. So, so many times we look at soil samples and we think that it's gospel. It's exactly what's in there. The reality is, is what you see on the soil sample is really more the ratios. You want to take a look more at the ratios and make sure that your ratios are in balance and, and recognize that whatever's in the soil sample isn't necessarily what the crop can actually up, uptake into itself. And so you have to evaluate, okay, even though there's zinc, a lot of zinc in the soil, it doesn't necessarily mean that the plant is going to be able to uptake all that zinc. 
So you have to look at it and say, okay, well, at least if I know it's it's in the soil, then when I an, analyze and, and do the tissue sample later, then I can look at it and say, all right, it's not getting into the plant, so it's being blocked. The one thing that you can always have confidence in is if it's not in the soil or if it's low and deficient in the soil, it's not going to get into the plant in sufficient quantities. So you're going to need to supplement those and make sure that you take care of that and watch for it during the growing season. And again, a, a good way to do that is you take the soil sample, figure out your foundation, your base of what you got to build upon, that soil sink, if you will, and then uh, build upon it by taking a look at during the growing season, be watchful and careful and watch those tissue samples and make sure that you're getting the no nutrient deficiencies that are dinging your crop yield, your genetic potential of the crop. That's just a great way to start. I call the soil our bank of nutrients. So very similar, uh, Lyndon uses the term sink. I would never start a nutrient program without a soil analysis. I'm just a firm believer. I've got to know my starting point before I can reach my destination. Between soil analysis and tissue analysis, it's the key to everything we do. And it's very common for growers to get tissue analysis every two weeks. I know a few that do every week. So the more we can do it, the more often, the more consistent, then we can address the needs of the crop. And Larry, if I might interject, this is really putting science into the growing cycle. Uh, this is putting science into farming. Um, if you're not pulling a tissue sample and a soil sample, you're, you're really missing out. Now, you don't need to take a soil sample every two weeks or every week. Uh, you know, that that doesn't make sense. You just need to know that foundation like uh, Michael talked about. And then we build upon that. And one of the beauties of the Humigrow products is that they are very quick in getting into the tissue. So if you apply a foliar material or even a soil-applied material, which both of ours can be soil-applied or foliar-applied, they're going to get in and metabolize very quickly, and you're going to be able to see that deficiency go away. We're not like some chelates or some some other forms of, of nutrients that are not readily available or take a long time to break down or a lot of energy to be able to go through a process before they become available. Our nutrients are immediately available to the to the plant. So we're not as concerned about seeing the deficiency because we know the second we treat it, we can we can solve that problem. Now if you have a big lag between when you see a deficiency and when you get the the product on, then it's gonna definitely ding your crop and you have to be aware of that. That's why you have to be vigilant. So before we get too much into the uh, nutrients that we need at different stages, I want to kind of globally address if there are differences that we need to be aware of based on how water is getting into the crops. So irrigation versus dry land farming. Are there considerations for pivot and drip versus row irrigation and dry land farming, Lyndon? Well, uh, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> um, dry land farming, if you are in an area where where you get a regular rainfall, then you might be okay. There are parts of the world where that's all you're, you have for an option, and we understand that. And so anything that you do in, in dry land farming in terms of bringing up the nutrient levels and making sure there's no deficiency is going to benefit you. Now, we can't say enough in the dry land scenario of the benefits of our soil amendment products. 
whether that's a, a humic acid or a fertile soil, fertile humus, being able to go in and stimulate the biology that's there, because that way you're improving your water holding capacity, your water penetration and retention. And so those soil products can make a huge difference in a dryland scenario. They do still make a difference even in an irrigated area, but even more so in a dryland area. So taking a look at that, most areas in the United States today, we're talking about non-dry land. Most of it's pivot irrigated. Uh, very few potatoes are drip irrigated because it's hard to dig the potatoes without digging up your drip tape. And so then the other end of that would be either row irrigated or, or furrow irrigated. And uh, you also have the opportunity to do the rolling sprinklers rather than the pivots. It's very normal to do sprinkler type irrigation systems in the United States on all potato ground. Uh, so we'll talk about each of those differences maybe as we go through and talk about which products to apply when. And you have a lot more opportunity if you can fertigate the nutrients that you need during the growing season and spoon feed it. That's one of the benefits of having a pivot irrigation. For example, you can set a tank up and some type of a Venturi injection system that can suck out of that tank and go across the acres as it's irrigating. I think of application rates when I think of different irrigation systems. Uh, you know, if we're injecting, the pivot's going to be a different application rate than a flood, uh, different than a drip. And so uh, that's the first thing I think about is different application rates. We have that broke down on our uh, labels because it's a great help. All right, so we have the soil test results in hand. Let's start walking through the potato crop life cycle and examine our recommendations. You always begin the next crop when you're harvesting the current crop, so let's begin with post-harvest. Lyndon, what do we want to do post-harvest to get the beds ready for the next potato crop? Well, you know, if we could convince a grower, and sometimes this is a very difficult investment for a grower to make, but if we could convince a grower that he really does start his next crop in the fall of the year and that that investment will pay off and pay off uh, very handsomely for them. The first thing we want to talk about is just a, a, a broad application of humic acids, uh, whether we're looking at some raw humates out of uh, our New Mexico mines or whether we're looking at a liquid humic acid to be broadcast sprayed or something over the top of the soil. That's a great place to start. And uh, with the uh, dry humates, we're looking at, you know, anywhere from 150 to 300 pounds per acre to really put that soil to bed. You're really building your organic matter if you use the humic acid, whether in a dry or, or in a liquid state. In liquids, we're saying up to four gallons per acre. And, and again, you're building that carbon base, that carbon sink in the soil and really creating humus. When we talk about soil health, this is perhaps the most important thing we can do for soil health. The second thing we want to do in the fall of the year is consider applying something like a fertile humus. Fertile humus is, is a product that is just phenomenal. It goes on at a quart per acre. And what that will do is it will stimulate the recycling of nutrients in the residue that's left over from the crop before. So if you want to uh, recycle those nutrients rather than, you know, sometimes if you have a corn crop and then you're following on a with a potato crop, you, you've got corn stalks and you've got corn cobs that you're going to harvest right along with those potatoes as it's digging the next season. 
unless you put something like a fertile humus on where you're really digesting those residues, making them more supple and making them fall apart and really digest them. And then that age in your recycling so that the next spring you're not having to put on quite as much nutrient because you've built that nutrient availability from the residues of the of the crop the year before. So that's a great way to start, in my opinion. What I love about fertile humus is it's a complete package. It has all the nitrogen, everything you need in there to digest that crop residue. And so you're not going out and uh, getting a second or third product to help make uh, your digester more effective. I also think that post-harvest is a great time to do a soil test. Soil analysis will tell us where we le- where we left off from the crop and will give us kind of some foresight for the spring. Also a great time for Promax, an application of Promax in a lot of areas that has uh, nematode pressure. We can kill an entire generation and be a few steps ahead come spring. Very good suggestions. So we're at the point where spring has sprung and we're at pre-plant and soil prep. So we're getting ready to put those seeds in the ground. Lyndon, what do we need to be talking about? Well, we never can say enough for our product called Zap. It, again, it goes on at a gallon per acre and sometimes it's it's a little stiff of a price uh, at, at that point in time. But if you know you have a small disease pressure or a small nematode pressure, then putting uh, zap on pre-plant two to four weeks before planting will start to warm up your soils if you're in cold climates, uh, will start to increase that microbial activity so that when you put that seed piece into the ground, you've got the very best environment for that uh, seed to take off. Fertile soil will do that as well. A fertile soil stimulates I'll go back to fertile humus, which stimulates the fungal dominance in the soil. That's what's needed to be able to digest the residues from the crop before. Whereas fertile soil, on the other hand, will stimulate the beneficial bacteria. That's what's needed to create the right, the root zone, the the right environment in the root zone. So that as that uh, potato seed sprouts and begins to grow, you're creating the right environment around that rhizosphere to be able to really kickstart it best that you can. So fertile soil or zap, uh, fertile soil goes on at a quart per acre. The very best option would be to do zap two to four weeks prior to planting and fertile soil either as a part of a dribble over the top of the seed or in the band, the fertilizer band at planting or in some other type of a pop-up scenario over the top of the seed. So let me jump in. Um, we haven't really talked about fumigation. There are some folks out there that are fumigating their fields prior to planting. Have we got a good alternative to that? I think Michael started that. I'll let him continue it. Thank you. The uh, Promax is a beautiful fumigant replacement. Uh, most growers are in the habit of or in the routine of doing a post-harvest fumigation and love to replace that with Promax where we can kill disease and yet build soil biology. I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but it is a fact. And uh, there's data to back that up, that we can kill pathogens, kill a generation of nematodes, but yet still build biology. And I'll just add, Promax is a contact killer. And so uh, it's a desiccant is how it functions. That's its mode of action. And uh, as it touches uh, the nematode or the, the fungal disease pressure that's there, whether it's fungal or bacteria, what it does is it breaks the 
the cell wall and then uh, basically it just desiccates it and it, the nematodes bleed to death, so to speak. And, uh, and so a very strong organic base material there using thyme oil and a couple of other oils that are very beneficial, uh, to, to cleaning up the soil. One thing we don't want to do is apply a Promax with a zap. We always want to apply a Promax prior to uh, maybe two to four weeks later, come back with a zap. So uh, just to kind of get that scenario in your mind, if you're fumigating in the fall, coming back in the spring with zap, fumigating with a, a Promax in the fall, coming back in the spring, spring with a zap, that's a good combination. If you're one who uh, fumigates in the spring or needs to fumigate in the spring, then two to four weeks prior to planting and, and you're fine. And then try to get that zap in or the fertile soil in at planting, uh, whichever one you can afford and make the investment in. So I'll also throw out for conversation that it doesn't have to be one or the other. For those folks who are tied to fumigation, we have some options there because we know that fumigation can wear off when the crop is right in the middle of doing everything. Fumigation can wear off and you can develop problems. So Michael, talk to us about what can you do with Promax in the middle of, of the growing season? So a lot of times fumigation just does not have the power to hang on an entire season. So we get to that uh, very common the last third of the growing season. We start getting in uh, close to that uh, harvest time. A lot of the products that are fumigants have reentry intervals. Can't use them 30 days within harvest. Promax being organic, we can go in anytime during the growing season and really keep that soil healthy and clean, so to speak, uh, right through that last part of the season when fumigants are kind of starting to uh, weaken in their effectiveness. You see it particularly when you're trying to set the net on the potato skin. You want you want to make sure that that soil is clean. You want to keep the scab away, and you want to keep some of the other pathogens away from from that netting process so that you got a really tight skin, a solid net, uh, so that that potato stores better and, and presents better in, when it's sold. Can I just add something about fumigation? If, if there's a grower that is just set on fumigation, we, we're killing most everything in the soil, the good, the bad. If we can come back with a zap after a fumigation, we can start rebuilding that soil biology, especially if that's done in the fall. Then we have all winter to uh, try to get back that uh, beneficial biology. Great point. Spring. Great point. Yeah, we can we can bring that that soil back to fertile status after it's been fumigated very quickly with zap. It's awesome. So the next stage here is that we've moved into seed prep and planting. Uh, Lyndon, talk to us a little bit about getting those potato seed starts. Yeah. Going. So uh, we've got several products that work really well. I've seen guys that are creative to really uh, working on superizing that seed once it's cut, comes across the cutting table. I've seen guys put a Mertec uh, spray applicator right on the end of the seed cutter and, and spray a little bit of our Start L or our a little Proud 3 or a little Activol, you know, something along those lines that can really assist with uh, superization of that seed. And the other thing that you might want to consider would be a breakout in that type of, a, th this is just pennies on the dollar. This is insurance for that seed. 
So this is a seed treatment that can go along with the bark dust, can come across the end of the table. You put a little spray on there, drops into the bark dust and gets coated, goes into the, the trucks going out for the planting rigs. Anyway, I, I think that's uh, something that can be very strong, very beneficial. Little Z-Max in there doesn't hurt. Zinc, manganese, copper, sulfur doesn't hurt as well at that time. And uh, just love to see a little more proactiveness on, on treating the seed. There's nothing that you can say about getting that crop out of the ground uniformly and in a timely manner. If you've got a crop that's having a hard time coming up out of the ground, uh, you're going to fight that thing all during the season to get it to catch up and be where it needs to be at the end of the year. So there's nothing that can be said better than uh, proper seed prep, uh, really prepares your your harvest. I think it's a great time to uh, do another soil analysis in this time so we know what our needs are and our deficiencies. And even if we do a fall analysis of our soil, that will change. Our soil structure, our uh, nutrient values will change, especially if we use a fertile humus. It, it will definitely change. And then uh, we have the data we need, the science we need behind making proper choices in uh, addressing those efficiency. Very good point. So we've got the seed in the ground. We're getting, the seed is beginning to sprout. What do we need to pay attention to here? Boy, me... you know, we, we probably didn't, uh, we probably blew past it, but you also need to make sure you have enough NPK there to get it started. So uh, don't, don't lose sight of that. Uh, let's make sure that we get that NPK in the ground as well. That can be put in either uh, again, it can be done a, a myriad of ways. Uh, some guys do it as a as a band off to the side of the seed bed, you know, one inch over or two inches over and two inches down or one inch down. Or even after you close your row on top of the seed, you dribble it over the top. Uh, it could be done even when the seed is still exposed. If you have enough liquid there, water there, and your pHs are right, you could just dribble that uh, right over the top. So you want to make sure that you're really giving that seed a great opportunity to, to get going. So you want to have a start of a phosphorus, a nitrogen, a potassium uh, in there. And so you look at that soil sample and see what's there. Most soils, even though they come up with good levels of phosphorus and potassium, most soils are still going to have that tied up, particularly in the spring of the year when the soil's still cold and when the soil is wet the potassium and the phosphorus stays tied up. So it's not really available. So having a little bit of our product Superfoss in there that that avoids the tie-up, uh, we've already got it complex with the microcarbon technology, that can go in and really improve uh, the, pho the phosphorus availability at planting. If you need a little potassium, again, putting a little bit of our super potassium in there, and then our super nitro if you need nitrogen. Good time to put it on. Uh, you can always come over the top with those as well, either pre-emergent or post-emergent, broadcast them, uh, either fertigating them or broadcast spray. But uh, the very best time is to put them as close as you can to that seed piece to get it really going. Uh, again, if, if you're going with granular fertilizer, we're not trying to talk against that. We're partial to the liquids. Uh, we believe that they're more available and they're more, they're, quicker at uptake, uh, particularly when you add our microcarbon technology in there. But if you're going to use a granular, we just say, look, throw some of our microcarbon technology 
in there uh, by doing an impregnation. We have a product called Extend that can go in, put it in a cement mixer, mix it around, and uh, you know you're at one to two quarts per ton of granular fertilizer, and it just makes a, a huge difference. It can be impregnated in the place of a of an agritain type product on the urea, and it works great for DAP and MAP. It is not a urease inhibitor. What it is is a complexing agent that goes in and keeps those nutrients from volatilizing, leaching, keeps them in the root zone to make them available. That extend can also work if you're using bulk UN32. That can go in and complex that nitrogen as well. So either way that you're going with a liquid or a dry bulk, or if you want to just use our liquids, we can provide 100% of that using our uh, Super K, Super Potassium, Super Foss, and Super Nitro. So if we didn't get a chance to get breakout on our seed, uh, this is a great time to uh, get a soil applied breakout to help help the rooting and the development uh, right out of the gate of uh, the seed. And and what's the best way to apply that, Michael? I have run it uh, as a side dress. I've run it as a dribble uh, at planting. I put it through the pivot. Just get it in the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's and, right. And why? And why do we? Why do we want that breakout at this point, Michael? Breakout is fabulous at just developing the root system, getting the seed to germ, get it all seeds, uh, get it to start rooting, and get a good strong root system, and then everything goes from there. Once we get a good established plant. All right. So now we've moved into sprout development. Now, in many parts of the country, it's not unusual that the plant just starts to come up and we get another frost that comes in. What can we do to help that, Lyndon? Well, the easiest one in my experience has been most farmers will just throw, you know, just hip the dirt up uh, on the hill back over the top of it and let it come back up again. That seed piece, if you've created the right environment for that seed piece, it's it's going to be able to ward off that frost, and it'll just come back with a vengeance. So uh, be patient, you know, cover it over again, give it a chance to come up. Uh, as it warms up, it'll come back. If, on the other hand, let's say you're post-emergence uh, for several days and and you're getting a ding, then, you know, there's two two products that you could alternate with or combine together, and that would be Vital and Breakout. And if you put those over the top after a frost, you're going to get that regrowth back even quicker. If, on the other hand, you want to do it preventatively, it will help uh, to ward off the frost a little bit. Now, I'm not talking about a hard freeze, okay? I'm just talking about if you're in that zero degrees, maybe minus one Celsius or the equivalent of, you know, 32 degrees Fahrenheit, maybe down to 30 or 28 you're going to be okay. But if you get a hard freeze below those temperatures, you know, you need to kind of start all over again. And so you need to make sure that your seed is still viable. Uh, sometimes with a real hard freeze that lasts a long time, sometimes you do have to replant. And that's that's what insurance is for. But hopefully you don't have to do that. And this is a really great insurance, you know, is to use that Vital and Breakout uh, over the top during a freeze or at the time of frost. I've had some good luck with Vital after a, a hard freeze. 
uh, whether that's uh, Colorado, Idaho, Washington, even uh, in Arizona. You know, we try to push the envelope for planting as early as we can. And Mother Nature, she rules. And sometimes we just get that freeze. And uh, I've had plants that entire fields that are just brown and laying on the on the bed. And uh, <laughs> it'll take about a week. And that little green sprout will come back up. And uh, we just get a, a part of a leaf and we'll go in with a very light, uh, you know, maybe a pint of Vital banded. And it'll uh, just enough uh, leaf surface to absorb that. And uh, that plant will take off. And a lot of cases will catch up to uh, other fields yeah. that have not been frozen. I agree 100%. That's great. So then we move into the vegetative stage and we start getting the plant getting four, six, eight leaves. And it's probably a good time when we can start doing some foliar if that's what we want to do. Uh, what do we need to be talking about here, Lyndon? Yeah, I mean, first things first, you're very best off if you can pull that tissue sample early uh, after the four leaf stage. You know, you can you can pull those tissue samples, get them to a lab, get that analysis back and evaluate where your deficiencies are. You compare that to what's in your soil, what you've added up to this point, and see what you might need to be adding. This is where a, a solid breakout application can come in handy if you haven't done one before now to really cause that plant to go into the rooting and be prepared for tuber setting later on. So uh, breakout is a really great one. If you're in an area where the plant comes up and then it just kind of sits there, and it's not really growing forward or it gets dinged with cold weather or whatever, then a Vital might be what you need to apply uh, at that uh, four to eight leaf stage because the Vital will cause it to just grow through uh, whatever environmental stress or abiotic stress it's faced with. And so that's a good thing. Sometimes we come across the top with an herbicide and maybe it dings the crop a little bit. Throwing a Vital on there, uh, or a breakout will pull it through that that ding that you're seeing on a over the top type herbicide. Those are great suggestions. I can't stress enough the tissue analysis. It is so important at this stage, you know, right out of the gate, uh, that small plant. I am a firm believer if we get behind in a single nutrient, we're in trouble. That crop somehow, some way, at some percentage will suffer. I don't know exactly what that is. But I guarantee it will suffer whatever is behind. So it's really important in my mind to be able to apply products that are a quick uptake in these, in this situation. Uh, you get your analysis, you see where you stand. If something is deficient, boy, get a nutrient that is, uh, a, a quick uptake into the plant. And, and who, who makes those nutrients? Yeah. <laughs> we, we just happen to know that, uh, <laughs> That Humagrill has a pretty good line of those nutrients. <laughs> That's right. Cool. <laughs> All right. So we've moved along to the point where we've got tuber initiation. Lyndon, what are we doing here? Wow. As you start to see that hook uh, hook forming on the on the root, the ends of the roots, you know you're you're starting to get into forming that tuber. And if you can give it energy at that moment, that's what you need to do. So we always call it, a, what we like to call it is a nutrient balance. What that means is we take the tissue sample, we take a look at what's deficient, and we make sure that's in our mix 
But then we always add in something that's going to stimulate hormones. And we have to figure out which hormones we want. Vital is going to stimulate a gibberellin type hormone reaction. So these, these don't have gibberellins in them, but they cause the plant through nutritional triggers to, to start to generate or produce its own hormones. It's a hormonal response generator. And so, uh, if you, if you need a gibberellin, then you put on a Vital. If you need an auxin or a cytokinin type material to add more numbers. So some, some varieties of potatoes, you're going to set more numbers of potatoes underneath you than, than you need. And then the challenge is always feeding those on those varieties. Uh, then you want to come back with a, a Vital because you already have the numbers that you're going to, you're going to set more numbers than you're going to be able to harvest. So the other one then is if you have a, a different type variety that doesn't set large numbers and you want to increase those numbers, then a breakout is the answer for that. Uh, I don't know, Michael, do you want to talk more to those two? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, uh, the two of these, depending on what the situation is that you need, like you described, uh, is all about maximizing your crop. And then the next step from there is I'm a firm believer that the greater set you have, that these products will produce, uh, the greater the nutrient needs. And then you really got to step up your game there. Yeah. You've got to feed those, uh, through the whole season. And so you can't be skimping on anything. If you're going to set more tubers under there, you got to feed all of them. So they mature the way you want them to. So, so that leads us into tuber sizing and bulking. Uh, what's important with that, Lyndon? Well, you know, my favorite is to come back over the top at that tuber sizing. You get that little, what we call creamers. You get those creamers going and you want to put some size on them. Uh, you need to make sure that your calcium up to this point is, is high. I've never seen an early application of our calcium not be of benefit because it stays in that root zone and it will be available for that crop. It won't tie up. So using our calcium product uh, there, either our calcium that's from the calcium nitrate or our pure cal uh, that's a calcium acetate form <laughs> works really good to keep that calcium high in those early uh, tuber setting, tuber sizing times. Uh, you've also got to make sure that you've got plenty of potassium there as well. So calcium and potassium together is what's really going to help in the tuber sizing and uh, bulking time frame. This is where I really like the Golden Pro uh, coming in there over the top. It's got some calcium, some potassium in there. It's got uh, just a great mix of everything that you need to uh, really get that growth shot that you, you want to see. Uh, another option that we've used in the past traditionally has been a shot of Vital at that time to really kick it and, and, uh, and really grow that, uh, grow that crop out. Uh, the one beauty about the Golden Pro is you're going to see a leaf thickening and a deep leaf greening from the Golden Pro. I'm saying on top of the surface, you'll see that. And that just tells you that you're getting all the chlorophyll that you can out of that leaf and it's functioning, doing all the photosynthesis that you need it to do to really put that crop on steroids. So that's what I, I like to see at that stage, along with the balance this is also where, of all the nutrients that you need from the tissue sample. Yeah, and I was just going to say this is where tissue analysis really starts to get critical. 
you know, when we get our analysis, we'll have like a staggered levels. We'll have a very low, a low, a medium, a high, a very high. And I just like to keep nutrient levels, if I can, in that high medium or high adequate to low high. Deficiencies can just happen so quickly, especially at other stages of the of the crop, which we'll talk about later. And I might mention, too, if you're seeing some nutrients that are very high, they're going to have some antagonistic effect against some of the other nutrients. And so you want to compensate or overcompensate for those by adding those nutrients that are being blocked by that very high nutrient that's being uptaken. So, uh, again, you just have to raise those levels to get them up. It's the ratio that you're looking at as you go through that tissue sample. That brings us into, I'll call the general maturation phase in between tuber sizing and pre-harvest. So everything is just growing, and what do we need to pay attention to here, Lyndon? Well, the first thing you got to pay attention to is is disease pressure. And so I'm teasing and hesitating a little bit about that because you either get early blight late or you get late blight early. But either way, you're going to get hit by something that's going to hit you. And, uh, and you just don't want that, that vine decline to start too early. So you want to keep it going in a very light pressure, uh, season. You can get away with, uh, just a, a vital and a little superfos to keep it going all the way to the end, uh, of the season that you want to do. On the other hand, if you're starting to see some of that pressure, then you need to think about uh, rotating some of our products like a, a Proud 3, rotating in a, a Z-Max, rotating in an Activol, or combining an Activol with one of the others. These are just products that are great to add into a, a nutrient balance, as I've called it before, to really build that up and make that, that nutrient balance get into the crop and treat all those deficiencies Get rid of the disease and, and, uh, insect pressure that you might have there and, and let that crop finish out. You can go back with that tuber sizing spray that we talked about earlier. You can go back with that a couple of times and uh, a guy will get a good ROI on even a second, uh, tuber sizing spray. And that should help also to keep it from that early dye or vine decline type reaction that you get in some crops some years. Obviously, if there's hail damage, then you can bring it back with a Vital type product, the uh, uh, Superfos. You can get that phosphate in there, really kind of stimulate that through those those stresses that, that may come during the season. When we get to maturation or, or getting ready for vine kill, then in order to set the net on the on the skin and in order to really size those crops, you need to consider a couple of, of critical products. Um, one is uh, you need to look at your potassium levels. If your potassium levels aren't high enough, you need to increase those potassium levels. The second one is if you have too high of nitrogen, let's say your leaf tissues are just off the charts, in leaf nitrates. If they're over 2,500 ppm, you need to do something to bring those down. One product that we have that, that helps with that is our jackpot product. Uh, we call it jackpot. In some countries, we call it yield max. And what that does is it sets up the plant for full maturization. It, 
it converts the plant from a growing, fruit setting, fruit sizing mode into a uniform fruit uh, harvest mode. It starts to produce, uh, it starts to translocate all the nutrients from the leaves down into the tubers and really sets up that final transfer, if you will, into the tubers. It creates a very uniform tuber across the board. Those smaller tubers come up in their size and the, the larger tubers uh, stay uniform. It really does a great job. We never apply jackpot or yield max without throwing in some calcium at the same time. Again, just bringing up uh, yield max, calcium, uh, jackpot are very high in potassium and some other nutrients to really finish that crop off. So we call it the very best uh, finisher. We like to time that somewhere between 21 and 14 to 21 days prior to vine kill. And, uh, and so it just sets it up for vine kill. Uh, sometimes, uh, if you're only killing, uh, the vine with chemical, then it's a good prep for vine kill. If you're, if you're going to, uh, beat off the vines or, uh, you know, use some other type of, uh, vine kill mode, it, this is just a great, a great way to go. So, Michael, you also had a, a comment you wanted to make about SurfMax, uh, prior to harvest. SurfMax has just been a great product for us to, to go in and get an application in that last full irrigation. And uh, we've been able to really mellow the ground. Uh, a lot of potato ground is soft, uh, sandy loam, but there's a lot of soils out there in uh, potatoes that are heavy and have clods. And we've been able to just melt those clods down and harvest uh, the comments are things like, oh, I under when I undercut, it was like cutting butter. And uh, yeah. that is a beautiful thing. The other thing, if I could just uh, add with the jackpot, as it's the alternative to doing the sulfuric acid. I, I've been to fields where I've been a quarter mile away from where they're spraying and got out of the truck and my eyes start burning. And it is just so powerful. And then uh, it's on the plant, the plant falls, and then at the end of the year, you're going to disc that up and plant some other crop. And so then you have all that toxicity in your soil. Just as Lyndon mentioned, the jackpot calcium combination, just a wonderful alternative to uh, the harsh chemical. We so really we... like to tell most growers, look, just wait for that first frost. <laughs> you know, we'll, tie, we'll time, time the jackpot just perfect so you get that first frost and and put your vines to bed and don't have to come back in and chemically kill it. You know, uh, anyway, it, it's just, uh, it, we sure like uh, seeing them beat the vines off rather than chemically kill it. Uh, the sulfuric acid, uh, in the short term, it does open up the soil, but in the long term, that's what you use to make uh, cement with. And so you want to be very careful uh, at putting too much on. So. I agree with Michael. I can just add that the jackpot calcium in finishing your crop is just kind of the basis of, in my mind, what Humagro does. It's just the natural way of doing things. Sure, we can throw a chemical on somewhere. Sure, we can throw an acid on and kill your vine. But let's do it naturally. Let's, let's let nature work its course. And uh, it, in my mind, it's just such a better way to, uh, to grow. 
All right, so we've generally talked about pests and disease a little bit over the course of this podcast. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of about what's going on with potatoes and, and what we can do to help? Lyndon? Well, again, uh, we've got these organic pesticides that are just phenomenal. Uh, they do a really good job. We've got several preventative products that are not labeled as pesticides. You know, you get into our our copper, our sulfur, our zinc. Uh, uh, those are all great additives into a pest management, into a fungal or bacterial disease management system. The Proud 3 is curative, and uh, we can have confidence that it's going to work day in and day out at solving some of those problems. So rather than using the chemicals, the chemical alternatives, we like using these softer organic type opportunities to do what we need to do in the field without getting too harsh and and creating even more problems. Sometimes we get on this, uh, as we call it, the chemical treadmill, where we just have to go faster and faster, more and more chemical year after year after year. Let's back up a little bit, face it more from a sustainable standpoint, environmentally responsible standpoint, do the more natural approach and use some of these products. We see ourselves at Humagrow as more of a bridge between the best of the organic and the best of the synthetic. And so Humagrow is designed for that. We have these few products that are that are OMRI listed uh, in the Humagrow line. Uh, to give us that broad, broader approach. We like to approach nutrition as the number one best way to ward off disease and insects. If we have the proper nutrition, just like our human body, if it's healthy, we're not going to get disease. We're not going to get sick. And so if we're taking care of our body properly and treating it properly, it's when we get in balance uh, or when we get too much sugar or whatever it might be that we get uh, that imbalances us, that's when we get sick. And so, uh, again, in a COVID year, particularly talking about this makes a lot of sense. But we take a look at having all the nutrients where we need to do. And then when we do get into a problem, uh, approach it more from this environmentally responsible approach is really what Humagrow is all about. It, with soft-bodied insects or with larvae, we can take care of them with a Proud 3 application. If you get the, uh, you know, the Colorado potato beetle, you know, you're going to need to get a, a bigger gun out because we're not going to, we're going to molest him, but we're not going to take care of him. So, uh, unfortunately, with the, the large bodied insects or, or the major infestations, you're going to have to come back with something that's a little stronger. And, and we understand that. And there's a place for all of that, right? And so uh, we want to just give you all the tools in your toolbox that's going to help you to make a premium crop, give you the quality that you want to have at the end of the season where your broker's coming back and saying, hey, can you give me more of those potatoes? The specific gravity on those potatoes or the solids on those potatoes were great. They cooked well. You know, they made the best French fries. They tasted well. They had greater nutritive value which means we get more nutrient into that tuber so that it's healthier for the humans that eat it. Uh, all of those kinds of things are, are very, very important to us. And we can show uh, tests where we've done that and, and shown that we can, we can actually affect that through our 
the benefits of our microcarbon technology. Is there anything else you gentlemen would like to discuss before we bring today's discussion on potatoes to a close? Can I just throw out some of my philosophies? Uh, sure. First of all, uh, create a healthy soil. That's the foundation of everything. Then use good plant-available products like Humagrow uh, to ward off deficiencies, to increase crop uh, health and potential, just like uh, Lyndon uh, had said just before. It, it's In my mind, it's all about maximizing your crop potential, and uh, these are the products that can do that. We believe that we can manipulate the plant to do what we want it to do through nutrition. And uh, we can, with the proper triggers and uh, tricks that we throw in here in into making our product line and our microcarbon technology that really gives us that benefit of quick uptake and uh, cell wall permeability, being able to cross that cell membrane very quickly, uh, we believe that we can really create a dynamic environment. I, I love to talk to growers who, who get done with their year using Humagrow and they say, wow, this has put the fun back into farming. This is uh, so much more enjoyable. I was able to see a difference. These weren't just products that gave me a little slight difference or variance, but this is something that's real. I can see it and I can see it to the row. What's different. I can see when I dig that I, I'm, I'm slicing the butter, as Michael said. I love that, Michael. Rather than going through and, and, you know, gumming up everything with my, with my more heavy soils, my, my clay soils, I'm able to still get through that and not take it all into the bin. I mean, some guys are harvesting more clods than they are harvesting the potatoes sometimes. And, you know, you, you want to get those to just mellow out and, a, a good fertile soil treatment or a surf max will help really break those clods down and they'll just, uh, the potatoes will come out of there just like they want to jump out of the soil. So potatoes are the, are one of the most fun crops to work with. They're very forgiving. Uh, they'll take a frost. They'll take a beating on a hailstorm and still come back and give you a great crop. But we've got to take care of them. Look for quality, invest for quality. And use premium products to do that, like Humagrow. And uh, we promise you a great ride and a lot of fun. Okay, gentlemen, this has been a great discussion on growing premium potatoes. Thanks a lot for being with us Appreciate your time, Larry and Michael. Always a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Humagrow Farmer. Show notes for today's podcast can be found at humagrow.com. Keep following these podcasts for the latest information on enhancing your crops using Humagrow products. Grow healthy.